Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about Liminal the RPG by Paul Michener. So okay. we <laughs> so we played. The, I got this. Uh, I got the PDF for free from Modifius. They sent me a email with it, and I looked at it, and I, I thought it was intriguing enough, and I liked it enough that I actually went out and bought the physical book. This isn't unusual for Saul. <laughs> no, not that unusual. So the book is in the I forget what they call the format, but it's just the smaller uh, print format. I think it's called A4, maybe. I'm not sure, but it's not like the eight and a half by eleven book, but it is a hardback, so uh, it's a nice little size book. Kind of call it a digest size, but it's not quite the Reader Digest size because I think Reader Digest is a little bit smaller. I think it's pretty cool the size. And so, what is Liminal? Liminal is a an investigative game, more or less, where players play people who are known or woke would be a, a Modern current term, term current term which i don't really like but another term would be awakened to the hidden world what happens is for whatever reason you know that there is the mundane world like everybody else knows and then there's the hidden world kind of like harry potter-esque in a certain sense right they i forget what they call the mundanes do you remember honey no. muggles muggles it's just like in harry potter there's this world out there that most people do not know of and you as an investigator and you're kind of like a group of people who, because you know about this hidden world, are able to deal with them and help people who have problems with the hidden world, however that props up. You're, you're, you're way overthinking it. Think okay. about it as like the Dresden Files or Supernatural. Yes, that you're right. That's perfect. Or if we go way back, Carl Koshak and the uh, Night Stalker. Remember okay. That, remember that show? So exactly, it's a mix. It's a mix. It's a it's a mash of all those those shows, and that's basically what you are. You are you're not usually you're not working for the government. You are you're like a, a just a group of people who are together for a common cause, and that is to help people with the who are having problems with aspects of the hidden world, whether it's a ghost, whether it's werewolves, vampires, crazy fae, all that stuff. I wouldn't call fake crazy, by the way. Okay. <laughs> right. right. Uh, <laughs> the game. The game is super simple. It uses kind of like a strange uh, uh, adaptation of the Traveler 2D6 rules where you roll two six-sided dice, you add your skill, and you try to hit a certain target number. And that's where it deviates from traveler well no in my opinion traveler is exactly that you get yes to add. but after that, after that there's yes. no crazy traveler stuff <laughs> well traveler that's all there is right uh then in this game what's pretty fascinating is that there's only two traits there's endurance and will uh there's uh three types of skills and endurance is like hit points and will is what you use to do stuff right right Right, and either one of those hits zero, then you're basically out of the game or knocked out or depending on which one it is. And then there's three t different types of skills. There's mental skills, physical skills, and social skills. And each of those skills has seven of each under under that umbrella, each of those umbrellas. And that that's pretty neat. I mean, it makes it super simple in that sense. They're all equal. I know there's certain games that uh, certain uh, types of skills fall under a certain attribute and so what happens is if you take if you get have a really high attribute that has those skills then you can really have high 
chances of succeeding in those skills. But this one is like it's all balanced. Uh, f- to use a word uh, I don't usually like using. You do, you do get traits and limitations depending right. on what. And I think that's what makes it even more. That's where like you can really uh, what is it uh, differentiate your character from other characters is the, the use of traits. And traits is what I call similar to feats in other in, like in D and D advantages in games like Savage Worlds. And what they do usually is they give you a plus two to two skills, usually. And it's depending on on the name of the of the of the trait, uh, like fast reflexes, right? So it would help you on something that would like shooting or or possibly uh, going faster in in combat or acting faster in an action scene. And the traits are you just choose them the ones you like. But to use them, you have to use will points usually to do it. Some of them do. Some of the more powerful traits, yeah, that's how you... Especially the magic user. Right. Some of the traits, you have to spend will. your will, usually like one point. It's kind of a balancing act. Because if you get to zero will, then you're like, kind of like a blibbering idiot and you can't no longer function. Or you just can't use your magic anymore. Well, there's that. But some traits don't need to use will, so that's pretty cool. So there's traits, and, there, and of course there's some sort of disadvantage or limitations is what he calls them. And this gives you points, take a limitation. Let's say you're susceptible to silver. So they, well, one of the characters, that the pregen or the type of character, right? Yes. Was a werewolf. Right. So right. the limitation was there was fire, but, the, but it, he was very powerful. Well, because he was a werewolf. So the, what that does is give you, when you take a limitation, just like... In the end of the game, when you take a limitation or something that disadvantages your character, you get more points to spend on traits to get more stuff. So it's kind of like a balancing act in that. And, of course, there's a, there's limits. I think I don't know how many limitations you can take, but uh, the book says a beginning characters can only have, for example, the skill gap is four. You can only take one or two limitations to buy your uh, traits. So let's go to character creation. So you have three different types of characters. There's tough, determined, and magician, and they determine what your trait, what your uh, not your trait, but your attributes are, which are will and and uh, endurance. And from there, you uh, the one of the first decisions you make is what is your drive. And I like this about the, about the book is it starts with that, and then it goes into the number crunching, right? Because their drive is something that drives your character to do what they're doing. You know, why are they why don't they just having a nine to five job and or doing whatever the normal people do why are they become investigators why are they interested in the hidden world usually that's because of your drive it's something that drives you to do what you do i think it's a pretty cool starting place and that's what the uh, the author wrote at the very beginning this is the first thing you do when you make a character then you go into your skills you buy your skills and there's 17 points to, sk- to buy your skills and it's pretty weird because at first you think oh you know that's a lot of points and and you have to make some really hard decisions. 17 points doesn't sound like a lot of points to me <laughs> to make a character. Yeah, well, you know, you're making normal people. You're not making uber characters, right? So I think it's pretty neat. There's some got to have that talk with yourself going, oh, do I really want this skill or that skill? And how much do you want to put in that skill? It's pretty cool. And then, of course, there's traits. And there's, there's quite a few traits. And some of them are really cool and and some of them are really neat, and just, there's that. Well, I only have five points to spend, and some most traits cost one, some traits cost two. The more you know, the more uh, obviously the more powerful trait costs two points, and then there's a limitation if you want to take one. 
And I think that's all there is to making a character. Bada bing, bada boom, you're done. How do you get your will and 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 endurance? Uh, it depends on your type of character okay. you are. You're determined. What did I say? Determined, m- magician, and tough. Oh, that might sound like a silly question, but he handed me the character she'd already done. So, right. So they do have pre-gen characters in a in the book. So that's pretty neat, and you could use those to. Uh, I like using pre-gen characters simply because a lot of my players are lazy no. or don't have the time to make a character. And if it's a, it's a one shot or they think it's not something that is not going to last a long time, they don't really want to get into having to read a book and do this and that to A lot of times when you do a new game, though, it's good to have pre-generated characters for your players because that way they can choose the kind of character they think they want to play and they can try it, right? And usually the pre-generated characters are are balanced versus you trying to make something that's unbalanced. Or that you don't, because you don't know the system, so you yeah. you'd be making it up. I understand. That's true, but even even then, I think my brother and Sip made a character, right? I think they made their own. Yeah, they're old school, cray cray, <laughs> but whatever. Old school. <laughs> well, some people are more interested or have the time and are are really like, oh, this sounds neat. I want to figure out how to make a character. And like I said, making a character isn't that hard. I mean, the pages there's quite a few pages for the character, but in the book but it's not a lot of it is due to rules yeah it's very interesting i really liked it i liked the character i played the a pre-generated police officer character oh you played the cop that's right which was cool or ex-cop actually so that's right that's right and Saul is right the your drive or is like i like to say what's my motivation for ah, this yes. character yes because when you play a lot of of games you kind of you need to figure out what you're doing in this particular game. Both the games I played, I played the same character. The first game we played, I had taken allergy medicine on that day and <laughs> fell asleep. Yeah, like, we play in the evening on Friday and both get up early. Jolene got up at five, up at five o'clock in the morning and we start playing at, ele- at six o'clock in the evening. And she works all day. And this He I'm realizes sure that now that I work from home, he, he didn't know what I did. He tells me. Or he kind of had an idea, but he didn't know that I actually worked the whole time I was gone from the house. Well, you know, <laughs> you don't know how much work people do until you see them working, right? I mean, you, and so when she's here, I see her, what she does, and she's working, working, working. And I'm like, oh, a lot of people, well, well I'm gonna, they work from home or they work at an office and they take, you know, one and a half hour lunches and they take breaks and they're chit-chatting with their he has no idea what people do. <laughs> no idea. I'm not in the corporate world. <laughs> My allergies were bothering me that day because it's January and the weather's all f- weird. And so I took an allergy pill and a cough pill. Thing. Yeah. And so by by seven o'clock or seven thirty, I was I was falling asleep listening to the guys play because the Friday night group are the people that I've known since I met Saul. And his people from when he was a kid, so right. So listening to them was I was following You're the story, but the... I was like, I'm all I was trying to talk, and I realized that I was my eyes weren't open. <laughs> so. You're lulled to sleep by our melodious voices. So I felt bad, but I had to say goodnight to the boys and go to sleep. Yeah, you came. But back. the next day, the next day, <laughs> I got to play with <laughs> with some other guys, and those two guys are like. 
uh, Morgan and, and Bay, they love reading the rules of games. Right. And they looked at this game and they're like, okay. And they get the, they read, Morgan had already read all the rules and so had Bay. So they, it was pretty cool playing with them. They're, and it's an investigative game. So I think we did pretty good. Saul wasn't sure that just three of us would be able to, to get through the mystery, but. No, you did real good. I think the only problem I had, or the, the, not problem I had, but the idea that I had is that you didn't have enough coverage within three people to cover the skills that you needed to solve the case, which is always an interesting aspect of the game. Uh, but but we had the werewolf, and we had the <laughs> cop. Yes, you. So and then we had the ma- magic user. Yeah. So we were we were pretty good. Yeah, you guys are pretty good. And then you guys are really good role playing and have re- really good skills as far as investigating things. I mean, you read a ton of in- detective novels and stuff like that. You've read them in a. I mean, I don't. You read they're called mysteries. Mysteries. That's right. And probably hundreds of books you've read in that in that genre. Probably. And. And Bay and Morgan are are into Call of Cthulhu, and so that's all investigative. I just say Call of Cthulhu. They're into everything. Well, I mean, that's one of the main games that they really like to play. And Call of Cthulhu is an investigative game. It's not like heroic f- fantasy, right? Where you Liminal reminds me most of um, of Dresden Files. Yes, the idea of uh, and the hidden world. When Saul says the hidden world, you know, it's the it's the stories you grow up with when you're a kid, right? The Halloween stories when the veil to the other world is oh. thin and things like that. So it's a very and then it's set in England or Northern Ireland. We played in well, London. It's set in England. Yeah, yeah. It was very cool. I like the setting. I like the towns. Saul didn't even use maps because we we didn't even use roll twenty for that one. On the second time, we just um, rolled the dice. Yeah, yeah. I just so. used Zoom. Right. So. Uh, yeah, because I, I the one thing that I use on roll twenty is the character sheet, but you're just rolling two d six, and if you trust the people rolling, then it doesn't matter. The only thing I like about roll twenty, and I've said this in the past, is that when you use it and people are you're using the online dice roller, everybody gets to see what you rolled at the same time, and and it's exciting when that happens, especially at a at a particular junction in the game where there's a lot riding on that roll. And everybody either cries or yells in exhilaration of, or laughs at you because you rolled a one, <laughs> whatever. Yes, exactly. Or in this case, snake a eyes. Two. Snake eyes. But I got, I got a point for that. I got a point for that. <laughs> so another aspect of this game that Paul included was the idea of how do you bring these sometimes very uh, different people together. It makes sense. So he comes up with this idea of a crew, and the crew is basically. You, like it's kind of like an NPC character. The crew has assets and it has goals, and the, and it's kind of like you know a club uh, or whatever you know. But th- you are part of a crew, and that gives you like a home base and reasons why you guys all know each other because you guys all have this common goal of whatever. And you guys, you the you guys the players make up basically build this crew. You build this uh, whether it's a clubhouse, whether it's a you guys meet at a library or whatever, and you set the goals and have assets. And so that's pretty neat. I, I really like that idea because it kind of idea of like this Western Marches idea. I, I know I'm going to throw something weird at Jolene because she's giving me a weird look. But Western Marches is the idea that every game you always go back to your home base. In the, in, in the Western Marches, it's usually a fantasy. So you go back to your hometown where you're, where you're based out of. And that means in the next adventure, if 
Joe doesn't show up. Well, you can play without Joe because you're not in the middle of this long journey across the continent. So you play with whoever shows up. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why the whoever invented the Western Marchers type game did it. And that's exactly what Paul does in this case because everybody can go back to their to their home base, their to the crew's headquarters, whatever that might be. I think in the, in the game, uh, one of them, who one of the characters who became an NPC because nobody picked him, he was a character that I made, was rich, and so he owned a bar and he owned a, a bar and something else. I forget what it was, but a bookstore, a bookstore, right? So they were able to meet in two different cities and have somewhere somewhere to go and plan and talk in the open without getting strange looks from the person next to you when you're at a bar and you're talking about werewolves and vampires, right? Though you could be talking about a movie or something in the game. What I did is this guy had, was this rich character and he owned a bar and he owned a bookstore and the back room was a table set up for them to meet and discuss things openly without having to whisper and worry about people eavesdropping on them. Yeah. So I think it's a pretty neat idea. I think it's, it gives, like I said, it gives you an idea, a reason for these weird characters to be together. Always need a reason for the people to be together. And this is better than you met at a tavern. Exactly. And... That's exactly. And I, I'm going to turn my back on you, even though I have no clue as to who you are, really. <laughs> you know, I, li- I like the, it, usually Saul says you have to have a zero session, which we all know how I feel about that. But <laughs> do we? This way, this gives you a reason to be together, and and I, I like the idea of having a place to go and stuff like that. I think the, did you take the South Yorkshire Irregulars yeah, yeah. out of the book? Yes. So it was actually written in one of the crew ideas. Right, correct. Which is good, because it was it was pretty cool to have that. Yeah. Well, another good thing about Paul Mitchell, what he included in this book, is a lot of examples, right? So he describes what a crew is and not only does he do that and tells gives you you know this is how this is how you make a crew this is the assets that you can have this is why you would want it he also gives you like five different types of crews that are that he made up and you can easily just plop them into your game and so that's what i did and when i used the pre-generated characters i made a couple more because i wasn't sure how many players we we're going to have so i made a couple extra players characters and I use the South Yorkshire Irregulars as a example, as the group that they're in. And it has a description of who they are. It has a description of their assets and their goal. And so I thought it was pretty neat. I think it really neat. And I, like I said, I really like the way Paul put this whole book together because there's plenty of examples. Even though the system is really simple, there's an example for everything that he describes. Well, one of the reviews that I read, the guy said that, he didn't think that a, a newer GM would pick up this book to to run it, hmm. but but he did like the example of how to GM or there was you know it, right the the ideas that were put into the book. So I thought that was interesting. I I don't know why you would think a, a new GM wouldn't pick it up to run it, but yeah, I don't know either because it's, it's I think for a beginning GM it's super easy because the system isn't that difficult so there's not a, that number crunching you have to worry about and being able to read it it's like 287 pages or something so. and it's it's pretty it's i mean it's a nice book there's I a like lot of art not only the art but the but the examples the descriptions the rules um i think we did come across not a rule that we that we were confused about but uh, bay and morgan always 
read the rules very carefully. That was two sixty one pages, and then it has a a few pages of like art of the game. Yeah, I think the question was whether certain uh, trait of theirs used will or not. Yeah, and that's where you had to look up. Yeah, and and we talk about trying not to use the rule book in play. Except when you're when you're when it's a new game, you have to use it. Yeah, because right? you can't memorize everything. And so one of the questions was, "Well, does this take will or not?" So we bust open the book and look it up. And sure enough, I forgot what the answer was. Whether we we did. all had PDFs because we were playing we're playing on Zoom, right? So everybody has their computer up, and you have yes. Your, uh, well, actually, I think Morgan had the book or the PDF. Morgan always buys it in PDF yeah, first, yeah, yes. so. I think they all had the PDF. Yeah, I had the PDF up because I my question was, when you're fighting, does the other does the the person you're fighting get to roll a uh, opposing roll? Yes, and that is correct. Saul gave me the uh, let me look it up. So I looked it up while he was talking and told him what it was. So and it, it's which true. I really like that the because when you're playing a new game, you and everybody's learning the rules at the same time, it's easier if the rules are explained well. Yes, I, and I did. I did know the. I did know that. I don't know why. I just couldn't remember at the time. Anyway, it is a nicely written system book. So what's included in the book is a, a quite a few descriptions. First of all, the rule section is very short. There is, I think, ten pages of rules total, and that's it. The rest of it is descriptions of locations in England. It's one it even has a couple alternate cities. One is Berlin. One is. Somewhere in North Carolina. I forget the name of the Fayetteville. 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 Fayetteville, yes. In North Carolina. And he uses that, I think, just as an example of, of not everything has to take place in England. Of course, every every different location has its own hidden world type of uh, stories or myth, right? So I think, I think he, that was pretty neat that he included two different locations outside of England. And of course, he you know there's a, a lot of locations in England that he puts in there, and uh, one of the one of the first thing he starts off with is he says he goes you know many of the cities or locations are seem you know strange right because he, he goes there's there's some cities that are bigger and more important in real life but I don't mention and there's some uh, places uh, physical places that are well much more well known but are not mentioned in my book and he calls it the idiosy- idiosyncratic. Uh, description of different places and he says he just wants to give different locations that people may not have heard of or just interesting places that that don't usually come to mind everybody knows about Stonehenge but he mentions like another uh, another Stonehenge or standing, forget, stone. the standing stones right exactly and he and that's and and it's really neat and uh, like I said the art in it is really nice I, I don't know if we talked about the art but I was really captured about art in this book for a for a small book and as much information as he puts in it, there's a lot of art in the book. And it's really nicely done. Who does the art? I'm not sure who the artist is. If you could find who the artist is, it'd be nice. I'm sure he listed in the... What's weird is that there's no date of publication on inside the book. That you have. That I, the, the book I have. The artist was named Jason B-E-H-N-E-N-K-E. <laughs> I'm not going to try that one. Another thing uh, is that he includes two sample adventures, and one of them is Goblin Market, and the other one is, but one of them is Goblin Market, and that's the one I ran for the group that I ran on Saturday with Jolene, Bay, and Morgan, and it was it was a real mystical game. There was a lot of mysticalness to it. 
and there was a little bit of a kind of like there was a false leads kind of they were trying to figure out what was going on what was really interesting is that morgan because of his you know he's a big time we're, we're all big long time role player well bay didn't really role play when he was younger he said but anyway but uh morgan like right off the bat figured it out right i didn't let on that he figured it out because he was you know it was just an idea that he had and and i was like whoa but see morgan has played tons of games for a long time and so his knowledge base about myth and stuff especially dealing with orcs and 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 goblins and stuff is like he's he's like a encyclopedia and so when he he mentioned exactly what the monster was i'm like oh wow I'm in trouble because the game might have ended earlier than I expected. But no, you still have to figure out exactly what is going on. So even though he had the monster correct, he they still had to figure out what was going on in the game. And I thought that was pretty neat. And that game ran for about four hours, yeah. three and a half. And it's perfect introduction to the game, a perfect introduction to how to, the game runs. You know, it was just really well done. And what I'd like to add is that there's a lot of, already stuff not published but st- well i guess it is published but you can buy the the pdfs you know at drive through rpg and there's or quite, modifius or go straight from modifius and they are they're really neat some of them are slightly longer adventures i believe uh i believe most of them are like one shots and they call them case notes which i really thought was an interesting way of of putting out product and and the one I ran for the night previously, the Friday night group where Julian fell asleep, was the Repairer of Reputations. Mm-hmm. And it was really well done. And what was interesting about it is that it was a lot of investigation. There was I don't think they got into a fight or into battle or any kind of stuff. And that group is more action oriented group right they pl- play a lot of heroic fantasy games we play a lot of D D. we play a lot of that's our base you know that's that's the group that i original that includes my brother uh, friends from high school junior high actually uh grade grammar school so we've been together a long time and a lot of that time was playing d a d and d you know they're very action oriented and we don't really run a lot of investigative games we don't play call cthulhu uh, I don't think I've ever played Call of Duty with any of those guys, except maybe my brother, maybe once. I don't know. And so when you bring in this game that's not heroic and not fighting monsters and taking their stuff, it might be disconcerting to them. And actually, one of them was a little bit worried because at the very beginning of the game, when the case opens up, it's like, okay, what do we do? It's like, okay, they're asking questions. They're trying to find clues because they know it's an investigative game. And they did a pretty good job. And Sip, my longtime friend, from literally from grammar school, I've known him since second grade, he was a little bit worried. He goes, man, he goes, we were asking these questions. It seemed slow, and it seemed like we're getting information that didn't make sense. But as they gathered more clues and it kind of pointed them in the right direction, they were able to get more clues. And, and then the ball, literally the ball started ro- rolling. And he even said to me, uh, wrote to me, because uh, I asked for feedback about the game. And he goes, it started really slow. I wasn't sure how good we were doing in our investigation. But once we were get, started getting the clues and the, and the games really started moving forward, it was quite it was a lot of fun they were having fun from the beginning yeah yeah but the, uh, but he he said he had a little bit of reservations as as how well they it's were always has reservations about <laughs> stuff like that 
Well, that- Jim was having fun. The last time he ran a game, an investigative game, we were like banging our heads trying to figure stuff out because it was your, your what was the game? It was the one that had the TV show on Amazon. Supernatural? No. Oh, can, uh, that Carnival Row. Yes. Yeah, that was, uh, I adapted Carnival Row to Year Zero Engine by by uh, Free League. And uh, that was a game that I came up completely by myself. And the adventure was by myself. And so, yeah, it was tough. I, I think it was tougher for them because, you know, I obviously they had, didn't have enough clues for them to go the right direction. But we figured it out. But you did? Yeah. But so this one was, I liked the, the clues and they were having fun investigating. That's when I was tired and falling asleep. But they were having fun figuring, finding the clues, the first clues. And they all like to think things through and they all have different different lore backgrounds and yes. different ideas about things. So it makes it very interesting when you're playing with people that have these different ideas about what what you're looking for or how to find it. Yeah, this was actually uh, Repair Reputations has to you know it it mixes real life events of stuff in our histories well you know in history so it was really neat you know my brother is really interested in in one of the characters that well not the characters but a real life person that this that that adventure uh, was involved was included and another guy knew about another aspect of of that part of english history has to do with well, I won't tell you, but it's pretty neat. Anyway, what I was really impressed impressed with is that it ran pretty well in like three and a half, four hours. So it was like a perfect one shot, right? Most one shots I have what I that I come up with myself tend to run long. You know that that one one shot, the Carnival Row, for example, where I was supposed to it run took it. Us three sessions. I was supposed to run it at a at a convention, and I slated myself six hours to run it at a physical convention just before the lockdown and stuff. It took us at least twelve hours, and it, and online, which usually seems to make games go faster, they took three sessions. I was like, man, if I would have ran this at the game table, I'm not sure they would have finished. That's why you do play tests like that. And that's what it was. I was trying to do a play test, and and I was like, hmm, I got to give them more clues and stuff like that. But yeah, but Paul but this- obviously knows what he's doing, and and wrote a perfectly short adventure. Uh, like I said, perfect for people who who are trying to game out. You know, I gotta say that that it was real, they're both really well done, and he has quite a few of them. He has a lot of he has I forget how many case notes he calls them, and then he has a large supplement called Pax Londonium, which I guess has even more information about London. I don't have that one. Just remember when you play this game that the vampires and <laughs> and werewolves are very powerful so you want to be nice you <laughs> very wanna... cautious at the very least yes. cautious yes what do i like about this game first the book is well, really so far you've liked everything about the yeah, game so the book is really nice i like the art it's very well written i like you know the, i like that the fact is that the rules are literally 10 pages and in those 10 pages there's examples of everything that you need to do uh there's examples of everything you know it is a crew Here's an example of there's five different crews, uh, characters. Here's five different, four different characters that you can make, and it's just really well put together. I don't know if it's his first game that he's that he's published by himself, but he did a really good job. I know he's worked on other projects, uh, RPG projects, but I think this might be his first Kickstarter that he did by himself. 
But Saul could be totally wrong. I could be totally wrong. And uh, just a note, I think he has another, I know he has another Kickstarter called Out of the Ashes, which is coming out. Uh, I think it's like, he probably has like 10, 12 days. 16 so, days. 16 days as of today. So hopefully, he's check already, it out. He's already passed. It's already funded. Uh, he's just working on stretch goals now, I think. And it instead of the 2D6, he's going for a 2D10 system. Just to, I think to give more variety and uh, give you that, that wider margin of uh, from failure to success. I think it's pretty neat. Check it out. It's on Kickstarter, Out of the Ashes by Paul Michener. Out of the Ashes, Adventures in a Broken World, it says. Looks like a pretty interesting game. I don't have anything bad to say about the game. I'm just like, I liked it. My friends liked it. I, uh, the, the both groups that I ran it for, I asked for a little bit of feedback, and all of it was positive. There was nothing wrong. They just they said they, they wanted to make their own character, some of them that, that didn't, or they wanted to tweak the character because now that they know how the game runs. And I think... Uh, I'm probably I'm gonna run another session this Friday coming up with my Friday night group, and uh, I think it might be a hit. It might be a hit with my group. This is true. <laughs> it was it was a good it was a good game. So the, so the half game that you played, uh, the the players were pretty happy. You said and pretty excited, or were doing well. And then the full game that you stayed up all the game. Uh, I you, usually stay awake for all the games. Yeah. You had a good time. Yes. So there you go. There it is. I think you should go out and buy it if you can or find it. Find it. It's easy. It's available from Modifius uh, website. Uh, the PDFs obviously are available from DriveThruRPG. And Modifius because I just looked and at Modifius, it. And Modifius, yes. And it, you might find it at your local yeah, game store. There you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day. <laughs>